0: What's up, everybody? This is Chris Kane here again with the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate all the listeners, all the feedback so far. So far, you guys like what's going on, so I'm going to try to keep this going. It's been about a week since the last podcast, but uh, I think this is going to be a good one, so I'm kind of excited. I'll tell you the topic in a second, but I'll say that this was inspired by LeBron's new TV show, The Shop. And for people who know me, I'm not like the biggest LeBron basketball fan. But I think as a dude, like I'm on Team LeBron. I think he's done a lot of tremendous things. He hasn't had enough missteps to like deter from what his career is. I just don't like you know watching him run through people to get layups. So <laughs> I'm not a fan of actually watching the game. But while he was doing the show, he was talking to other famous people, like other basketball players, uh, actors, musicians, what have you. And he was talking about this, I guess, on the surface, metamorphosis of his public persona. For most of his career, at least half of it, he was kind of like on the Michael Jordan path. He was just the great basketball player who just kind of like, you know, towed the line, kept sponsors happy, etc. And then the whole Trayvon Martin thing happened. And then he started being more of an activist, started speaking out more and more. And essentially, he said, he just started saying no to toeing a line. And he knew it would cost him endorsements, popularity, those things. But he just said pretty much no more. I can't sit back and just let things happen. And I have a platform and a voice and I'm not using it. And It inspired this topic today, which is the power of saying no, which is something people don't talk about that often. I think even on my own podcast, it's always about creating the next opportunity or when one arises, you know, grab it and run with it. But there's an art form to choosing the opportunity correctly. And if you choose the wrong opportunity because you want something to pop off, then there's usually consequences attached to it. I was reminded of this comedian. I'm not going to mention the comedian or the enterprise. But this comedian got booked to do a gig on a well-known comedy platform. And as a comic, that's like a dream come true. You just want to get opportunities. You want to get booked, what have you. And he had a great set. And he wanted to post the set to like a website to promote himself. Yo, man. You know, these are my credits, here's here's my stand-up set, yada, yada. And the company that he worked for took it down, had the lawyers and all that stuff go through, and essentially said, yes, this is you doing a set, we'll put your name on it, but we own it. And you can only view this if we give you the rights to it, or if you go through our website. You can't post your stand-up because we we paid you, and so is ours. That's it. And there's I mean I'm sure that was in the contract in the fine print, maybe you know he should have had his lawyers look it over and that kind of thing, but he was kind of like dumbfounded like, man, I wish you know I could use this this set to even get future gigs because it's a good set, good crowd, good lighting, all the things that com- comedians and performers care about when they want to send like a reel off. You don't want bad lighting or weird crowd, so the idea that that's me. I got a great stage, I did my thing, but I can't do anything with it because in the contract, I just wanted to get paid, I wanted the opportunity. So I just said, "Yes, yes, whatever. Here's the contract. Cool. I'll sign it, have it over tomorrow before you change your mind." And then later it's like, "Oh man, I wish I could use that." But there was probably some negotiation that could have happened on the front end where it's like, "All right, maybe you don't pay me as much, right? And I can use it this way." Um or you don't pay me at all. I'll take the stage time. I'll take the venue. But I think I can make more money off of the special or the set going forward than you're going to pay me on a short end. And I thought that situation was more of like a microcosm of a lot of what I see in the world and social media especially. It's like that rush to hit a lick. If I can get this lick, get this one spark, then I'm, I'm off. Like I'm going be on fire. I'm, I'm, I got it. And... What happens is that you get you get the short-term win but it causes you to have long-term losses that's kind of what happens on that okay I'll hit this lick um, I'll, I'll do this role because I want to have credits what's the role all oh, the role is you playing an inmate and maybe you don't like the the visual but you're like you know what whatever I'll be the inmate and then you get cast again as like a gangster and then you get cast again as this person drug dealer whatever And before you know it, you have five or six reels, but it's all negative representation. And now you want to get booked for something more serious, something more dramatic. But all the real you have is you doing stuff that's stereotypical and things that make us as a community look a certain way. But in the moment, you just want the role. Hey, whatever. It's money. Give me the role. I'll make it work. And then later on, you're like, ah, that may not be the best look later in life but in the moment it was good i'm I'm a, I'm a football fan i know people are boycotting what have you um i'm i'm not boycotting mostly because i don't think it i don't think it hurt their bottom line to the degree people thought it would and i, I grew up a football fanatic i don't think me not watching it is gonna really hurt these billionaires i think more so it's gonna hurt the players but so whatever i watch football In this season of football, they have a TV show called Hard Knocks, which they've they've had for a number of years. Uh, For those of you who don't watch it, essentially is camera crews going into a football team and seeing the behind the scenes of how they work out, how they condition, um, how they prep for games, sideline conversations, those, those kind of things, to give people more of an insight as to how a team is run. Usually this is done by... Traditionally, not great teams. Actually, teams don't usually do this show and then have a good seasons. But teams who don't have good publicity, maybe they have a young quarterback and they want to get you know some press out there. Maybe if they want to, you know, enhance the brand of what the team is, whatever they'll do this. This year, the team is the Cleveland Browns, who have been, in my entire lifetime, an awful team. And then they had one year with Derek Anderson, they went like ten or six, but. Literally for 30 years, they've been a bad team. It's, it's unreasonable. No team has been this bad for this long in my lifetime. So their head coach is a guy named Hugh Jackson. And for probably the last four or five years, he's been someone that people said should be a head coach. Oh, man, he's really good with this quarterback, or he did really well for this coach, et cetera, et cetera. And there were like five or six job openings last year. All of which are better jobs than Cleveland. Let's be honest. They again, they've been a bad team for 30 years. He took the Cleveland job. He got hired actually a couple years ago, but he took the job at a time where there are other jobs available. But he just he jumped on it, and they've been bad for decades. And they didn't have a bunch of talent. He took the team. First year he coached, he went one and 15, and then last year he went 0 and 16. So now in two years he's one and 31. Right. Going to this next year, they're supposed to be a better team. But from watching the show, it's the team from an ownership, player, whatever like angle, looks dysfunctional. Because they've been a bad team for 30 years. And there's a very good chance this will be his last year coaching. And the way it goes in the NFL is that if you're a black coach or a non-white coach, if you get a job and you don't do well with it, you very much so may not get another job like Tony Dungy is like the exception but for the most part if you don't make it work that's that's it for you you don't get to be a retread and get rehired two and three different times and he took this opportunity because he thought oh well finally I can be a head coach but it was of literally the worst team in the league and the team hasn't gotten better and He's gotten a little bit of a pass, but I think, and I'm worried, I'm really hoping he does well this year, that he's going to be out of there. And someone will hire him as like an assistant. He's a good football mind. He'll probably be in football for the next 10 to 15 years if he wants to. Um, if he doesn't have a great year, I don't think he'll ever be a coach again, a head coach. And it's really not, be- it's not because he's a bad coach. I mean, I think he inherited an awful situation. But I think he chose a job. Because he just wanted to be a coach. I want to be a head coach, man. It's a big deal. I want this. And maybe it would have taken one more year of being an assistant. And waiting for a job like the Chicago Bears to open up. Or maybe Tampa. Whoever it was. And he chose this. And I'm sure he's he wants to challenge his ego. Probably thinks I can turn this team around. If I can turn this team around. How great does that make me look? All those things are, I'm sure are true. But I think he's going to end up regretting us in 10 years. I think next year (laughs) you'll see him either on a different sideline or him working for ESPN talking about how difficult it is to coach in the NFL. And I get it. Like you don't know when you'll get offered the nod. He had done a number of interviews first, but there's something to, to saying no. And an an example of this is actually when, when Nick Saban, who's now a college coach but coached uh, in the pros for a couple of years, he initially said he wasn't gonna go to the pros. And then he went to the pros. And then he went then when he was in the pros, they said, Okay, there's rumors that Alabama wants you And he's like, I'm not going to Alabama And they offered him I don't know, probably like five million at a time. And the more he said I'm not going to Alabama, Alabama's offers started going up. They started offering him more money. And then eventually, he took the job. Now, I think he wanted to go to Alabama the whole time. But in this case, him being so adamant as to saying no was actually a negotiation tactic. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I have a good job. You sure? Because we can add another half a million. No, nah, I'm good. Okay, we'll see if we can find more money. Okay, cool. Then I'll go. And even to that end, though, I'm coaching Alabama in college football, Is there's a few legacy jobs. That's one of them, like Alabama, Notre Dame, right? These are these are USC. Like these are these these are legacy schools. If you get the opportunity to coach there, you don't just shun it and just say, "Oh no, I don't want the job." You take it and you don't look back. And the fact that he strung them along and said, "I'm not taking, I'm not taking, I'm taking," despite the rumors. Obviously, these were. You're hearing some sources. People are like, he's on campus. We think we can get him. This wasn't just BS, and eventually he took the job. He's been tremendous since he got the job. But even in that moment, to not just rush to it and say, no, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it, drove the price up. And then he got the job, and he's been the best coach, you know, I think in my lifetime, but maybe ever since then. But, again, you have to, you have to be good enough within yourself to say no when a great opportunity is looking you in the face, or at least what appears to be, right? For a number of reasons. Sometimes you miss out, right? You already get offered something. You say no thinking they're coming back with a counteroff, or you think a better offer is coming, and then it doesn't come. And now you're like, damn, I should have taken that offer. And now you're kind of sitting there second-guessing yourself to some degree, thinking, like, what would have happened had I taken the opportunity? Um... Did I overplay my hand? Which is a, a reasonable question. You don't know. But sometimes saying no is good just for the sake of the precedent. Like you, you say no and you miss our short-term money, you know, short-term glory, what have you. But you set a precedent that I'll only accept what it is I want. The problem is a lot of people are are hungry, right? And... This is a a metaphor that I don't know if it it works perfectly, but it sounded good, so I'm going with it. Um, I think of it like you being a hungry person. And there's a assumption that if you're hungry and someone offers you food, you'll take the food. That's just, that goes right. Like you have a need, I'm feeling the need, take the food. But if you said, I'm hungry, but I only want to eat a sandwich, but you're you're starving, your stomach is doing all that stuff, and someone's like, hey, I got spaghetti. Your stomach's like, ooh, food. But then you already just established I only want a sandwich. No, I won't take your spaghetti. And your stomach's like, mm. <laughs> it's sad, cause it's like that would have fulfilled my need. I needed some I need food. And it's like you need food, but we want a certain dish. And I think that's how you should approach it. You should approach negotiations, approach opportunities. It's like, okay, I want to be AGM of this company whatever like let's say it's hotel the Marriott let's throw it out there but it's like oh this is you know a two-chain motel you could be there AGM and it's like well it's an AGM I always wanted to be one but is that is that really what you wanted though you wanted to be the Marriott that's what you said you gotta turn it you gotta turn it down I'm sorry because now let's say you go to the motel you're an AGM, congratulations, right? And then the Marriott job comes open, and now you want to hop. And they're like, so what's your, what have you been doing for the last uh, three months? Well, you know, I was working for the company. Then I got an opportunity. I left the company, and I'm trying to come back. It's like, oh, so you just you just job hopped, and now you want to be our AGM, presumably, for the next five to seven years? Now your your candidacy looks worse. When well, you could have just turned that job down, and maybe you waited for a little bit longer. Maybe it would have taken... Two, three, four more years to finally have the chance to be the AGM of the Marriott like you wanted to be. But you were hasty. You overplayed your hand. and You made a move thinking that, well, you know, I'm tired of waiting. Sometimes there's a there's benefit to waiting. Even though it sucks in the short term. There's There's a win there somewhere. And I think it's good for your resolve, too. Because... When you're starving and when you're desperate, you, you start seeing what it is you will and won't accept. I have an example of this personally. When I was carless, um, actually about this time last year, yeah, you know, like September, October last year, I didn't have a car. Uh, so it was a rough deal. And I was trying to save money, uh, but I wasn't making as much as I wanted to to save the way I wanted to. So I was making a little bit of money, putting like $100 here. Oh, I got to pay this bill, put 100 here. So I'm doing this overspending of a couple of months, trying to save up. And there was a this car was being sold. And it was for like maybe $800 or something like that, which is nothing. If you buy a car for less than 1000 that car is not worth anything. It really is just a little bit better than a bus at that point. It's like, it's like the bus that you own. That's essentially what an $800 car is. So... I saw the car's picture, and from the picture, I can tell it was busted. Like It looked it looked like someone had shot it up. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, But the bullets didn't go through. So it was just like a lot of dents and stuff. And um, I went to go look at the car. And look at the car, and the car was it's, it's worse in person than I thought it would be. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, man, this car has been through a 12-round fight. It lost, right? And I got inside the car, and the car didn't have any AC, which... When you live in the desert, it's unreasonable. You can't be in California with no AC. Like you'll you'll explode. <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, yeah, no AC, but you know, got power windows, got auxiliary cord, keep the car like it was like <laughs> you're trying to sweeten the pot. No AC, but we got this four dollar cord for you, bro." Um. And for a second, I was like, "Man!" And I actually I said verbally, "Damn, man! I can't have a car with no AC." He's like, well, you know, winter's coming up, (laughs) which is a great selling point. I was like, this guy's a champion, because I was like, that's true. It's almost October. Like, it's it'll be cool soon, but then it's like, yeah, then it's gonna be hot again, and now you're stuck with this this bus car. Um, And then I try to like haggle him down, and I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I would like to say I just said no on my own, like you know, swag, but. I was like, all right, I'm, I can't do $800. It's kind of got way see. How about we do like 650 He was like, no, bro, it's got to be 800 And then I was just like, I'm not paying $800 for a car that doesn't have AC, dude. Come on. Come on, man. You got to, I'm going to die. He was like, what well, was your loss, bro? You know, this car's going to sell fast. And so I like, called the bus back home. And I kept looking. The car was still listed for like maybe three more weeks. No one jumped to buy it. And I guess either they took the listing down or somebody eventually bought it. But it took me another probably six or seven weeks to find a car that I actually got. And for the next six or seven weeks, I was on the bus getting rides, walking occasionally when I'm in a pinch doing the Uber thing. And during that time, when I'm on the bus next to a dude who's not wearing shoes, <laughs> which I feel like should be illegal, but whatever, Um you know, next to a dude staring at me, just like staring a hole in my ear, wanting to ask me a question, but just being creepy about it. I was like, man, I, I don't like being on a bus. I don't like what this is. I'm an adult. You know, like this, I shouldn't be here. I have a job. You know, I, I shouldn't be here. I went to school, all that good stuff. And it was like, man, I could have had that, that little bus car. But I don't know. I don't think that car was the right car for me. And I didn't have, like, a particular preference. It wasn't like I needed a certain brand or model or anything. It was really just, I know I'm in a desperate place. And I know things are going to be thrown my way. And if I want to just take the first thing, think of it, like, dating. Like, you ever been single for a long time? And then you start romanticizing people who you never would date normally. Like, well, you know, he's got a family, so. (laughs) You know, she's got both her eyes, you know. That's it was cute. You start, you know, you know, started saying stuff like that when before you were like, I wouldn't go out with her. Like, whatever, dude. She's a bum. Oh, he's a scrub. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, that scrub, mm, that scrub got a Honda. <laughs> and you kind of go for it. It was like, I know I can do better than what that is. And if it means suffering, riding a bus, waking up an hour earlier for work, getting home 30 minutes to 45 minutes later than I would, you know, not being able to do, like, certain things... Long term, it'll be better because I have paid for this car. Let's say this car broke down or I just had to try to put things in it to get the AC replaced or whatever, like had to put more Freon in it or whatever. It's just more stuff into this car that never was worth it in the first place. And I knew it when I saw the picture. My stomach said, nah. But then my desperation said, well, maybe. And that's where the conflict comes in. When you're desperate, you more often than not, you'll take anything. And what I'm imploring in you guys out there who are listening is that we all get desperate in certain respects. It could be... It's usually financial. I think that's the biggest thing we can kind of attest to. Is like, man, my money's low. I got to hit a lick. And that's what turns people to crime a lot of of times, actually. Right? Isn't that how tempting... That's how the movies make it out to be anyway. But we also know that for real life. Your money's low. You're working at some BS little job. Someone's like, yo... You make $45, $50 a day. If you come with me for the next hour, I can get you 150 And you're like, oh. And you know it's the wrong thing. You know it's not legal money. You know if I get caught, I'm going to jail. But I'm tired of working eight hours, flipping burgers, talking to ungrateful people, and coming home with $50. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't want that life for myself. And so you say, all right, cool. And you do the first time you don't go to jail, and then you're like, ooh. This is the thing and then you keep going and then you get caught up in a trap and then you can't go back. And that's kinda of how that life is. So wherever you are, if it's relational, like you've been single for a little bit and now you starting to feel desperate, don't settle. Don't do it. I know it's tempting, to just I just you're tired of being alone. I get it. You know, it's cuffing season, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff's coming up. I get it. Halloween's a big deal too. All that stuff's coming up, I get it. You want to have somebody to share it with. I understand. Don't settle. You want this job or this opportunity. And unless someone comes up or one you didn't really want, but don't. Don't settle. It's okay to say no. You're trying to negotiate some kind of contract and there's some funny language in there. You don't really you don't vibe with but you don't want to rock the boat because you don't want to lose the opportunity. Remember, they wanted to hire you. That means you got the juice. You got something they wanted. Fight for it. Negotiate. You may not get all of what you want, but you don't have to just accept something because it's offered to you. You can't say no. And it's in that. As always, guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, Keep telling your friends, family, coworkers, whoever, about this. Um, Things are going really well with the podcast. It's starting to pick up a little bit, so I'm really happy about that. And as always, guys... I'll see you guys soon. And have a great work week. And remember to say no sometimes. It's cool. Deuces.